Welcome to the dark forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions about our obsessions Will make us laugh and smile So let's explore the dark forest And dork down for a while Hello and welcome to the dork forest It's me, Jackie Cation You know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com If you like a determiner You can donate to the show using PayPal or Venmo. You go to the websites, you find out where I'm doing stand-up comedy. Rangers of the Dork Forest, I love you dearly, and thank you so much. Feel free to go to Apple, rate and review the show. Five stars would be great. Let's do the credits. Mike Rickberg sang and wrote that song that you just heard, and he will be singing at the end, the Mexican hat dance. Uh, Patrick Brady is going to fix this audio and video, and we thank all the stars for that. Let's get into the show. Hi, Jackie Cation using a new interface for the Dork Forest Rangers. Feel free to email me and tell me that it's great or it sucks. Jackie at JackieCation.com. Rangers, we have with us a man with an amazing name, and then he went into stand-up comedy. His name is Glenn Tickle, and it's spelled like Tickle, and it's named after somewhere in England that was a Tick L. Something's happening there. Don't ask him. He's answered it enough. Uh, but he's got a new album out. Maybe he'll address it on his new special and album. September 15th, Glenn Tickle against the World Crime League, which sounds like he belongs on this show. Welcome to the Dork Forest, Glenn Tickle. Thank you so much for having me. Yay. It is a delight to be here. Right. I should have probably said this part before we started recording, but you are genuinely one of my favorite comedians, and it's a real oh. treat to get to talk. Ah, no, no, I think we should get it recorded for sure. Yeah, it's uh, definitely should have that oh, written down somewhere. You're breaking uh, I, up a little bit. I don't think of course the internet I, connection could handle the compliment. <laughs> I've turned everything off because I was told to by uh, Riverside.fm. So we'll see what happens. It's recording separately. Oh, no. Now I just see the letter J. Oh, perfect. You're back. Perfect. So here's what I want you to do, Glenn. Just feel free to pontificate and talk to me how great Buckaroo Bonsai is for the next hour. I say do it. Own the space. But let me tell people. I would love to. It's at Glenn Tickle. G-L-E-N-T-I-C-K-L-E. Yep. So, and it's glenntickle.com. So. Just like the Elmo doll. I've never seen Buckaroo Bonsai. Most people haven't. You're not alone. But 1984, uh, is, I was there. I should yeah. have seen it. <laughs> I was too, but I was a baby. So I didn't see it in theaters. Most of the people that I know who have seen it and really also like it, uh, just have like fond memories of it from childhood or whatever. I didn't see it until five years ago. Uh, okay. It was my shortly after my second daughter was born. Uh, she wasn't sleeping through the night yet or still. She's five now. She still doesn't sleep good. <laughs> wow. But I was up at like four in the morning, just exhausted, just trying to find something to watch while I'm sitting there trying to rock a baby to sleep. And then I saw it come up on whatever streaming service and it's like, oh, I've heard of that movie. I've never seen it. It seems like something I would probably like. So I started watching it and it's very confusing. But like 15 minutes in, uh, I decided that it is the greatest movie I've ever seen and that it's my favorite movie now and that I love it so much because there's a part. So Bunker Banzai is a, uh, a particle physicist, rocket scientist, musician, uh, and brain surgeon, all of the things that one strives for. And for some reason, also yes, and Robocop. Also Robocop. <laughs> <laughs> this is, a, it might be apocryphal, but I've heard that this is the movie that got him Robocop. Why wouldn't it? Um, 
Why? I mean, you just you need the chin. That's all you need <laughs> in a RoboCop because that's all you see. And he's got one of those. So they're like, yep, put him in the suit. <laughs> and it was 15 minutes in. So his band, the Hong Kong Cavaliers, made up of all of his scientist friends who help him have wacky <laughs> adventures. Uh, they're, they're doing a concert in New Brunswick, New Jersey, and everyone's loving it. All the extras are dancing in the best 80s fashion that they could pull together. <laughs> And then Buckaroo s- shuts the show down, like mid-song. He's like, no, stop, because one person in the crowd isn't having a good time. <gasps> and as a comedian, I'm like, I don't think I've ever related to anything <laughs> harder on screen than immediately just driving everything else that's going well into the ground to be like, why aren't you liking this more? <laughs> hey, hey, no, everyone pay attention to this person. Screech. We're going to figure out why they're not laughing harder. Yeah. Yeah. And that that sets off like one of many storylines in the movie, because the woman not having a good time is his dead wife's uh, twin sister. Oh, my God. And how did she happen to be? They have to figure out why was she at the concert? Was she looking for him? Never really. Oh, there we go. Yeah. No, she does. She brings a gun into the concert and tries to kill herself. Because uh, things aren't going great for Penny Pretty. Okay. And, her name is But Penny she gets arrested because people think she's trying to assassinate Buckaroo Banzai. Okay. And she's uh, Ellen Barkin. But. The original Squinty Ellen Barkin. McClintock. Uh, before Renee yes. Zellweger, there was Ellen Barkin. And uh, <laughs> yep. she uh, was in a movie that I could, uh, I've only read the Wikipedia. I read the Wikipedia because I saw on the internet mm-hmm. that this was, this came out in 1984. I was sentient. I was watching really shitty movies in 1980. I was there for this. I should have been. And I told Andy. You should have been. Yeah. I do, a, I do a bonus at the end of the show where I talk to my husband, Andy Ashcraft, who literally, when I told him that the show was about Buckaroo Bonsai today, uh, 15 minutes of him talking about Buckaroo Bonsai. I was like, oh, I didn't know it was also yep. your dorkdom. <laughs> And he's like, well, it's, we'll be I watching I love it, it so much. Yeah. It sounds, I was like, because I thought it might have been like that Ben Stiller uh, fashion movie. Um, oh, no. Yeah. That's what he said. It, is, oh. it has very little to do with Zoolander. Well, right. It was, <laughs> I, I just thought it was, I thought it was purposefully that. silly like Zoolander was. And he loves Zoolander well, a great deal, but he's like, it's not at all like that. They wrote it completely straight, but they, no. it was directed and acted for, for, camp but i he thinks that it was written he knows uh completely straight i agree okay there's there's some debate uh among the small community (laughs) of buckrobots the fierce fierce supporters uh, which is basically it's just like me ken plume and john hodgman but uh it shows up i have a I have a Google alert set up for Buckaroo Banzai. So anytime it pops up in the news, I hear about it. Well, there's a clip. And it is almost always, <laughs> it, it's all, it's almost the other alert I have set up is just my own name. Those are the only two. Um, but the, anytime it pops up, it is always just some list that someone has made of like, oh, bad movies from the 80s or movies you don't remember existing right. or like not necessarily flattering lists. But they all are like, oh, yeah, it's like a parody of sci-fi. I'm like, no, it isn't. It is uh, is It is. It is sincere. a sloppily made sci-fi movie that's kind of silly just by the function of they made it in 1984 with not enough money and a producer who was actively working against them. Oh, was the producer um, actively so working it against com- them? It, 
Yeah, there's a there's a line in in the movie that uh, I'm I'm sure Andy will be familiar with. <laughs> but uh, at one point, uh, Jeff Goldblum's character, New Jersey, Doctor Sidney's Wybell, is walking through a lab with uh, one of the other Hong Kong Cavaliers, uh, Reno, and he there's a watermelon just in the lab. And Jeff Goldblum says, "Why is there a watermelon there?" And the other guy says, "I'll tell you later." And they never address it for the rest of the movie. It is never explained. And the reason that they put it there was because the producer, Sidney Beckerman, was like watching dailies and then just coming back with like, hey, this is dumb. Don't do this. I don't like his dumb red glasses. You got to change this. And eventually they thought he stopped. They hadn't heard from him for a while. And they're like, we think he gave up. Like, let's just just put something weird in the scene. And if we hear about it tomorrow, he's still watching. If he's not, we can do whatever we want now. So they put the watermelon thing in there to genius. test and he didn't, he, he had stopped watching and it's, it's just in the movie. So what I was doing, uh, the special, I had a watermelon on stage Yes, because it's your I favorite wanted movie. people after the show. Yeah. And like in, in the comments and stuff, when I put it up on YouTube, I want to see the comment. Why is there a watermelon? There? <laughs> but then Gallagher died <gasps> between when I filmed it. And when it's coming out, I'm like, oh, people are going to think this is just a weird tribute to Gallagher. It's a tribute to Gallagher. It certainly is not. I forgot that Gallagher died. You know that I once opened for Gallagher too, his brother. And who, because Gallagher. Oh, really? Yeah, Gallagher, uh, a lot of people don't know this. Gallagher syndicated his own act uh, to one of his brothers who looks. I got a couple siblings I could send out on the road. They look, he looks just like Gallagher because they're brothers. They are brothers. And uh, yeah. and he did Gallagher's act. Gallagher, the original, the brother, uh, orig- uh, eventually sued his own brother for do- for not doing his act correctly because he wasn't doing it verbatim. Yeah. And um, if you're a comic, you got to know. Just a totally normal, good dude. There's nothing that, bad or problematic about Gallagher. Just, just him wasting. Truly a legend that everyone agrees was great. <laughs> just hundreds of pounds of food being wasted every year. Um, yeah. So in Buckaroo Banzai, there's a guy named New Jersey and a guy named Reno. Yes. So those are the Hong Kong Cavaliers, uh, Buckaroo's like, core team. There's also the Blue Blaze regulars, which are just like fans of Buckaroo Banzai who help him out, including a father and son team who rescue him with a helicopter at one point that they just have. It's just they hear that Buckaroo's in trouble. So the father and son team, uh, <laughs> of, I the... forget the dad's name. Scooter Lindley is the little boy. Uh-huh. They run a gas station slash furniture store and they just have a helicopter. So when Buckaroo's in a scrape, they just fly in there and oh. get him. Wow, um, sounds like a Roald is... Dahl book. Um, that's in yeah. Like, they just own a helicopter. It's a really hard movie to describe to people without it sounding like you don't like. It. <laughs> <laughs> like I want to be very clear that I love this movie very much. Fair enough. I mean, it is. Yeah. There's yeah. John it's one of those Lithgow things where, like I said, the and Christopher Lloyd are in it too. He's the bad guy. Yeah, that's you tell people who's in this movie, and they're like, "How have I not?" seen it it's got peter weller john lithgow christopher lloyd ellen barkin jeff goldblum jonathan banks has a small role in okay it. uh it is a, a a bunch of people um there's more so I'm, he's I'm blanking but yeah like it's a stacked cast of the best 1984 had to offer <laughs> right and early work like i th- it might be ellen barkin's first big role 
actually, if I remember correctly. Uh, I did read the Wikipedia, so everyone's going to want a second source. Okay. Uh, but the, um, so he's in a band, but he, they're also scientists. They're building a machine? Yes. Naturally. Naturally. So yeah. the opening of the movie, uh, there's a special edition where they the original opening for the movie was they had old home movies of Buckaroo as a little boy, like watching his parents do a science experiment. But then the experiment is sabotaged by the villain of the movie, Hanoi Shan, the leader of the World Crime League, who gets cut out of the movie entirely. Uh, so he kills Buckaroo's parents. Oh, uh, and it Batman. is all narrated by Clancy Brown. What? Yeah. Oh, Buckaroo's mother, by the way, was Jamie Lee Curtis <gasps> in a very early appearance because she was dating someone on the crew and they were doing the scene. They're like, oh, can you just go stand over there and just like be a mom? She didn't have lines or anything. She's just like waving at the camera. Uh, but that got cut because of Return of the Jedi. Okay. Uh, Wait. The producer's like, no, we got to start this with an opening crawl. So they cut that and they just had like a block of text uh, about Buckaroo Banzai, a character no one was familiar with. Right. Because <laughs> right. one of the things I love about it is when you watch it, you're like, oh, there's probably 10 of these. Like, this is just like the middle. Like, I, <laughs> I got to go back and find the other one so I can get caught up. But there's not. There's just the one. Well, it was because they wrote a bunch. Oh, he did. A lot were yeah. written. Uh, Earl MacRouch, the writer, had like a, just a stack of stories about Buckaroo Banzai. And then when they made the movie, they just like picked one from the middle. And uh, so the 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 World Crime League, the title that I stole for my special was that was going to be the title of the second one. OK, uh, so in the credits, it says watch for Buckaroo's next adventure, Buckaroo Banzai against the World Crime League. But they never made the movie because no one liked there it. Was, <laughs> <laughs> well, it I'm was. Like, oh, no one's using it. I'm going to jump on that. I'm going to grab it that. It cost 16 million dollars to make. But they put out a book and uh, it mm -hmm. made six million dollars. Uh, in its release. So there was a reason, and I understand because of Star Wars, that they thought that science fiction, adventure, uh, and Indiana Jones, I'm sure, uh, sort of serialed yes. sequels, it was going to be huge, they thought. And... Um, yeah, they really thought they had a hit on their hands. They did, but just like with me. Right. <laughs> do they have that footage with the opening, the old opening? Yeah, you can find it on YouTube or if you have the special edition uh, DVD. In Blu-ray or regular? And I, uh, It is on Blu-ray. Do you um, have it on Blu-ray? I, I don't know if it was ever officially. I do. Yeah, I have the DVD and the Blu-ray. I don't know if it was ever released on Laserdisc, but if it was, I'd love to track one down. I don't have a player, but right. you know, it would be nice to have. <laughs> right, right. You could just frame it, stick it on the wall. Uh, so for the last yeah, just hang it up. five years, this has been your favorite movie. Yeah, it's a uh, it is. I watch it a, a lot of times, especially on the road. Like I will put it on in a hotel room as I'm like falling asleep because I'm very cool. And when I go out and I'm touring, uh, I'm a, I'm a wild party animal who definitely doesn't just go right back <laughs> to his hotel room and watch his favorite movie on his iPad and fall asleep by 11. <laughs> so you have the digital you have a digital copy as well. I was going to ask if you had a DVD player in your yes. laptop. Yeah, I actually. I have uh, like a little USB drive that I keep on a keychain in case I ever like need one. Yeah. Uh, like I used to work, I used to like be a, a computer repair tech. So like it was always just a good thing to have. Sure. And I still have one on my keychain. 
The only thing on it is it's the digital version of Buckaroo Bonsai <laughs> in case I am in an emergency. Because I, I had to move it from something else. Then I was clearing stuff off. Like, well, I'll leave it on there, you know, just in case. Right, right. Well, uh, is it a bad idea that I have one of those and it's all of my passwords? <laughs> I mean, as long as you have a password to get in there. No, no, it's just probably, a USB port. I'm not yeah, a, I might. Uh, yeah, I'm going to reconsider my USB <laughs> situation. Do you know that my pin? Yeah, or probably. I mean, it's probably fine, but I would take this part out of the episode. Oh, <laughs> so people don't try to no, get I it. No, I think I'm going to. Uh, I'll just I'll just wipe it. But uh, it, it's like uh, one time on stage, I told people my pin number because I thought it was funny. And then I had to change my pin number. <laughs> I'm not always yeah. aware of security is what I'm saying. It's uh, you sh everyone should live slightly more defensively than I do. How about that? Um, I had a friend tell people my computer password on stage. Oh, good Lord. Cause he, yeah. And I had to, it was like just the base one just to get into the yeah. computer. Not like it wasn't the password for any of my accounts, but like if you stole my laptop, now you can get in. Cause you knew that it, what it used to be. Cause he thought it was like just the password. I think for my router at home, I was like, no, that's like my laptop. I got to change that one. It's well, the same. It's was, the same one. And that wasn't my intro, been. by the way, young man. And, uh, that, yeah. yeah. So what do you want me to say about him? Oh, tell him my computer password <laughs> so they can just get into all my accounts. That would be great. My, I feel like it would help me really connect with the audience. <laughs> my fit now I digress, but as per usual, uh, I've probably told the store before. Story before Peatley, uh, one of the younger guys came under under me at Minneapolis comedy scene. Sure. Very funny. Uh, in New York, lived in New York for many years, and um, the his router in his apartment was named Panera Bread, and it was the slowest roll of a joke ever. It took him. It's he said he was in the yeah. elevator like a year and a half later, and a guy said to him. Do you know there's a Panera around here? I've never been able to. F and he was like, I am finally vindicated. <laughs> I was like, that is the I remember, slowest joke. Like when people started getting, yeah, when people started getting routers in their homes, there would be like screenshots going around of people changing the name of their router to have like petty fights with neighbors. Right. Like that's my favorite. Yeah, that, that was actually <laughs> very that. funny. I was like, oh, you're not wrong. Yeah, there was one that was like, hey, trash day is Tuesday. Like, yep, that's, that's what I want out of a router. Cut your lawn. Um, <laughs> starting an HOV, cut your lawn. And um, those HOVs are, uh, I hate those things. Anyway. Um, yeah, same. So I need, so, okay. So, but in the, so he has, he, but he's created a device, right? There's like a, and it isn't, yes. and it isn't a device uh, so that, that anyone needs. So that was the experiment. Needs. It's just a. No, it's not. It's one of those things where it's like I don't think anyone was asking him to do this. Right, unique. But it's when you watch the regular edition of the movie, it a lot of it doesn't make a ton of sense. But I think the scene that they cut like adds so much in terms of like why anyone is doing anything they're doing in the movie because the experiment that his parents are doing in that. Uh, clip is the experiment he does where he crosses the eighth dimension. Uh, so he he's doing it to like complete his parents' work. Oh, which is not addressed at, at all. all. It's just he just drives a car real fast through a mountain, and then there's like weird footage of shots from electron microscopes just like flying at his face. 
And it's like, oh yeah, neat. I guess that's yeah. yeah that's it's another I guess watermelon cool thing you that's did. That's what that and is. It, yeah, he's the most famous person in the world. Uh, it's a, like a running. It's not not a it's not a joke, but it is like a running thing in the movie where people will see him and they'll be like, Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> <What? laughs> like, the somebody will just bump into him in a hallway and they'll be like, hey, that's Buckaroo Banzai. And like everyone knows who this dude is. He's the most. Famous person in the world. All his scientist friends are on TV, like immediately after the jet car eighth dimension experiment, like talking about it. Okay. He has to have a press conference with the Secretary of Defense. Uh, and then the aliens try to steal the device so that they can get back to planet 10, where they're from. Uh, so that's John Lithgow, uh, Christopher Lloyd. Um, those are the bad aliens, but then good aliens are trying to help stop that from happening. Well, here's the weird thing. Now, in Wikipedia, it said that aliens uh, sort of like suctioned onto his car as he went through. And was that all four of the yeah. aliens? Was that all of the aliens? No. So there's a like a little alien ball yeah. that like sticks to the undercarriage <laughs> of the jet car. Okay. And he like shows that in the press conference. And the other aliens, uh, they the other aliens arrived on Earth. Obviously, during the War of the Worlds broadcast, uh, <laughs> because it's that's this is honestly my least favorite part of the movie. Okay. This is the thing where I'm like, that's actually pretty dumb. So <laughs> it's during the War of the Worlds broadcast. Uh, 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 what's his they name? Hypnotize Orson Welles. Yep. Yeah, they hypnotize Orson Welles to then after the like. They're saying the broadcast was real. Someone was just describing an alien invasion, and then they got they hypnotized Orson Welles to be like, "No, we were just doing a fun little radio play. Don't worry about it. It's totally fine." And that worked. So all the aliens are just in New Jersey. Uh, they're all named John, and they just have a, a variety of weird last names, what? which is also something I relate to. Right? They're all of the, their names yeah, are so John Warfarin. That's yeah. There's not a John Tickle in there, but I feel like there should be. <laughs> but there's uh, John Warfarin is the alien leader. That's John Lithgow. Uh, but John Lithgow is also an Italian scientist trying to do the same experiment as Buckaroo's parents. Uh, so he's trying to cross the dimensional barrier. Uh, but he only gets like partway through. He gets stuck literally halfway through a wall. His little legs are kicking out. And then the aliens like grab him in there. So the leader like, possesses John Lithgow. Okay. Uh, so he comes out of the wall and he's completely insane at that point and he just runs away screaming. And then we see that was a around the same time his parents got killed. And then in the future, he's just in an insane asylum in New Jersey uh, with Jonathan Banks as like the orderly. Okay. <laughs> so then he sees that Buckaroo Banzai has crossed the dimensional barrier. So he sees it. He's like, now's our chance. Now we can get back to planet 10. We have to steal this thing from Buckaroo Banzai. So he breaks out. He meets up with his alien friends, and then they uh, they try to get it back. They end up kidnapping Ellen Barkin at the press conference because she's there for some reason. Um, it is Buckaroo gets her released from prison. Like she's she's arrested for trying to kill him. Right. He goes to visit her in prison. Realizes this is my dead wife's twin sister. Just tells the prison, they're like, it's fine. She, I'm just going to bring her with us if that's cool. And they're like, yeah, you're the most famous person in the world. It's the 80s. You can just have a lady. There you go. So they just send her off with him. Now, wait and a minute. I have a. He brings a, her to the press conference. 
Yes. I have a question that we're going to have to take after I'm going to sure. try and do a, an ad here. Let's find out if it works, Rangers. My ad, my ad, my ad. I'm about to do an ad. It's me, Jackie Cation. The Dork Forest is sponsored by BetterHelp. I have had therapy, you guys. I was having a hard time in my life, and I had to figure it out. And so I went to a therapist, and I spent about three years doing therapy, and I gained a great deal from it because I was willing to be honest to the therapist that I was talking about. So sometimes we're faced with crossroads in life, and we don't know what path to take. Maybe you're thinking about a career change or what's your relationship, what... Maybe you want to deal with something in the past, whatever it is. Therapy can help you map out your future and trust yourself to find your way forward. I've benefited from therapy and part of it was how honest I had to be. So there you go. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire. You get matched with a licensed therapist. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. And there's no harm and no foul in switching therapists. You have to find someone that you can connect with. Let therapy be your map with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com dork today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash dork, D-O-R-K. Thanks a lot for listening. Let's get back into the show. We're back. Was there an ad? Did I tell you to do something? Maybe you did it. Anyway, I'm here with Glenn Tickle, by the way. And Glenn Tickle is G-L-E-N-T-I-C-K-L-E. And it's at Glenn Tickle everywhere. And he's got a new uh, album coming out, new new special coming out on his YouTube. But it's so if you go to glentickle.com, you'll find out all about it. But it's September 15th and it's called Glenn Tickle Against the World Crime League, which is vaguely named after the movie Buckaroo Banzai. Uh, there is uh, like a yeah. line in it that, um, and it's his favorite movie, you guys. I, why do I feel like I'm going to get a lot of emails going, so he's right. It's the greatest movie that was ever made. I, I, I went through, like I've listened to your show and I went through, like I did the search. I'm like, somebody else has got to been on here to talk about Buckaroo Banzai before. Like, no, nope. it, it wasn't. Nope. And I was pleasantly surprised. I had like backups, but I was really excited. Was it to talk top about secret? Because I don't get a lot of opportunities. Is what? I always think it's. Uh, I, I, oh, was the backup top yeah. secret? I do love top secret. <laughs> so some people love top <laughs> it's secret. It's also really good. It's a, it's, a, it's a movie that is also beloved. Yeah. Here's my, here's my question. So nobody, and granted, this is a scriptwriter thing, but nobody thought to themselves, well, why don't we just ask if we could use the interdimensional thing? He can bring us home and then he can keep going. Like John Lithgow didn't think, oh, let's just borrow it. I mean, we're going to borrow it or ask him if he can. Why does it, right. why do they have to steal it? Great question. Because uh, Buckaroo would say, no, <gasps> you can't, you can't do that because if I let you do that, then the other aliens are going to blow up the whole world or they're going to get humans to blow up the world. So the bad aliens are uh, the red electroids and the good aliens, I guess, I mean, they are threatening to destroy the earth. So I guess good by comparison. Okay. Uh, they are the, the black electroids and their leader, John M. Dahl sends a hologram uh, to Buck Rue that says, Hey, uh, if John Warfarin gets his hands on this thing and he comes back to Planet Ten, we are going to start World War Three by launching an attack on uh, Kaminsk, and then that would start World War Three because Russia thinks 
you guys are going to do it. And then you guys are going to think Russia did it. And then everybody's going to blow everybody up. When did so War Games come out? John Warfarin get this thing. Uh, probably around the same time. There was uh, like a something else pretty recently had basically that plot where it's like, oh, if you don't do this thing I want, I am going to trick the whole world into blowing itself up. Oh, wait. Yeah, I've seen this one before. It was uh, Secret Invasion. It was Marvel's Secret Invasion. Yes. That was exact. It was, it was War Games. It was the plot of War Games. <laughs> And yeah. uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed and it. And it had aliens. Yep. Yeah, it was. Yeah, Talos it was, and the scrolls. It could have been more like Buckaroo Banzai. <laughs> would have that would have been my only critique. It could have been if it was more like Buckaroo Banzai. I would have liked if, it. If, uh, if it could have been a little more like War Games. Uh, no, I. Uh, but yeah, because the the electroids uh, they don't shape shift, but they like emit a gas that like tricks people's brains into just seeing them as humans. Okay. Um, what are they and really? Then look you can like? wear like scuba gear. Uh, they look like guys in rubber masks. Okay, it's what it's what they look like. But uh, it's it's like pretty classic, like gray, like big eye alien guys. Um, they got weird long rubber fingers, but they're in suits and they just have a mask and gloves on. <laughs> it is pretty ridiculous. The sure. aliens all dress insane in this movie. It's great. Do they dress very 80s hipster or do they dress um, just like old school suits and ties or some hybrid of the, uh, two? the, the three like the three guys like Christopher Lloyd, John Big Booty uh, and the other two like main bad guys who work with John Lithgow. Uh, they just have suits on most of the time. The good guy aliens will just like walk around their spaceship in like a big feather boa and like very shiny uh, like unitard, like pretty classic sci-fi stuff, except for the feather boa. That's uh, unusual. And that that's, uh, I think, the what ones, made me He's think got like about... a big straw hat on. Yeah. Yeah. It is, I. it just looks like an E.T. where they're trying to disguise E.T. as like a old lady. Right. And they just put on whatever they could find. Yeah. But it's that, but for the whole race of aliens. <laughs> and they're okay. like, we need, we need to just pretend that we're, Normal human, and they just <laughs> did a bad job of it. Well, it was very popular, the feather boa in 1984. I think it might have been David Bowie's yeah. fault. We don't know. Um, it could have been. It's due for a resurgence, <laughs> I think. And so, okay, so is it successful? Do they, what What happens next? This is a big spoiler, you guys. A movie that happened six, 600 sure. years ago. Okay. <laughs> if you've not seen it in the last 40 years, this is now your fault, not <laughs> mine. Uh, so they they do succeed in kidnapping Penny Pretty, who has the device, the oscillation overthruster, which is the thing on my shirt right now. Okay, how big um, is it? So Bigger they, than a bread basket? They have it, but don't... Uh, this is a, probably a little bigger than actual size in the movie. It's like a handheld thing. Oh, uh, you like snap into your car that can go very fast. Okay. Um, it is the reason, uh, by the the same designers built Buckaroo's jet car that built the DeLorean in uh, Back to the Future. Okay. So the fact that it has to go 88 miles per hour is a reference to Buckaroo Banzai, uh, because it's the the like code handle for the thing is HB 88. Okay. Um, and because eight and eight looked like B and B, I think was the reasoning. Okay. I don't. I don't fully understand why. Sure. But uh, it also had the same costume designer as Pee Wee's Big Adventure. So (laughs) 
at the end of the movie, like the the end credits, they're all like like dance walking to the the bonsai march. But when they recorded it, it was to uh, Billy Joel's Uptown Girl, and they're just like <laughs> dancing through the L.A. River, and he is dressed fully as Pee Wee Herman. Wow. Like, Glenn plaid suit, bow tie, white shoes. He's just dressed like Pee Wee Herman. I think I saw the trailer. Uh, Jeff Goldblum's character. Yeah, that was probably in the trailer. Uh, Jeff Goldblum's character, uh, New Jersey, shows up in a very similar outfit to the one where Pee Wee is disguising himself as a cowboy, but like everything doesn't really fit right and it looks ridiculous. He's got like a big red shirt. Yeah. That's what Jeff Goldblum is wearing for a big chunk of the movie. Wow. And... I'm I'm convinced that it's because Buckaroo Banzai is the movie that the studio makes about Pee-wee's life in Pee-wee's Big Adventure that they all watch at the drive-in. Okay. I'm like that's that's Buckaroo Banzai cuz you see uh uh James Brolin rolls in on the motorcycle in that suit and that's what Buckaroo's wearing when he's riding a motorcycle in the movie and uh I think I'm correct. Oh my that. gosh. I think I'm correct. That it's so funny that everybody works on everything. And you can see the crossovers yeah. if you follow the credits. It's one reason, Rangers, to look deeply into the credits of any film. Because you're like, oh, that guy worked on the never-ending story. And now here we are with a giant puppet dog. Uh, so yeah. It, um, what I need to know is, so he goes through, he makes it through, he ends up with the glob of Alien. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, that doesn't really factor into the story as much. Weird. He just shows it at the press conference, and they're like, "Neat, all right." And then the aliens kidnap Ellen Barkin. Ellen Barkin. Okay. And then what about? So even the blob doesn't go back. The blob doesn't take over another person's body, and maybe that's a different adventure. Uh, no. Yeah. They. I'm trying to remember. I don't think it is after the press conference scene. I do not think the blob comes up again huh i think maybe one of the hong kong cavaliers grabs it i don't think they just leave it in a hotel conference room okay. but when they're giving the press conference it is like eight reporters three of them are secretly aliens uh and then the aliens have to like the good aliens electrocute buckaroo bonsai over the phone so that he can see who the bad aliens are like they live like he can tell okay who's a good guy and who's a bad sure, guy sure. uh but then that's they have to finish the press conference because a motorcycle convention has booked the room next. <laughs> so they're like, we don't have a lot of time for all this science. All these Harley Davidson guys are going to be here. Uh, and that is just like set up so that Buckaroo can just steal a motorcycle and chase the bad guy. You're right. Cause they, um, they take his car, but at, they take Ellen Barkin. Uh, and then he has to chase them down. They're in a van with, with her. Oh, okay. And at this point, the look of the movie takes a sharp turn because they had initially hired the cinematographer from Blade Runner. So <laughs> a lot of the movie looks really great. Like the the concert scene that I talked sure. about is shot by the guy who shot Blade Runner. It looks beautiful. And then he left for whatever reason. Right. Uh, and they hired someone else who... So there's scenes of the movie that look like they're just straight out of an episode of the A Team, where it's like oh, that day flat. for night, just yeah. like yeah, and it is. Mm. It's that that where it, that's where it happens in the movie. Yeah. It's like after that chase scene, 
everything just kind of looks bad from here on out. Okay. Because that's also, there's like a big spaceship chase at the end of the movie, but it is like, it is like 50s sci-fi. We're dangling this on a string in front of a backdrop (laughs) and like just bopping it along. And well, they, it doesn't. They ran out. Doesn't of, look yeah, excellent. They, I think they might have run out of cash from the sound of it, because maybe the Blade yeah. Runner guy. And like I said, the the producer was uh, giving them a bunch of problems during production. And when I when I first saw this movie and I started like looking into it more, I was like, oh, that producer, he really he really mucked things up. But then I like stuck with it and I learned more about it and I watched like W. D. Richter, the director. Uh, he wrote Big Trouble in Little China. He only directed one other feature, and it is uh, worse and more forgettable than this one that most people don't like or know. What about. is it called? I think it's called Late to Dinner. Okay. Uh, Late to Dinner, I'm pretty sure. But it's two guys who accidentally do a, a light bit of kidnapping in the 60s, okay. get frozen by a scientist, and then come back. 20 years later, it's the 90s now. It is a very early Janine Garofalo appearance. What's the uh, what's um, the name of the director, writer? W.D. Richter. Okay. Uh, directed Buckaroo Banzai, wrote Big Trouble in Little China. Um, I think somebody else might have written this bad late-to-dinner movie, but it doesn't make a lot of sense. There's like a bad version of it on YouTube where the sound cuts out for a couple minutes at a time, <laughs> a few points during it. But you don't really feel like, like when it happens, you're not like, Oh, I wonder what they're saying. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it's not a good. It's not good. But his other stuff, he he does a bit still to this day because they did um, a novelization of the sequel, uh, World Against the World Crime League, uh, that came out in I think twenty twenty one. That is, it's rough. I love the movie, yeah, uh, so much. But it took me so long to get through this book, uh, where I got. I got the the print edition, like pre-ordered it, sure. picked it up the day it came out. Was so excited. Had a real hard time getting through it. So then I got the audio book when that came out. It is 24 hours long. No. Uh, it is a full day no, no. to listen to the audio book. How many pages is it? Is it like? It is too many. That it's. it's so I have the novelization of uh, 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 the, the original, Buck yeah. Bonds I, uh, Across the Eighth Dimension. Uh, that's like a pretty slim read and it's, I liked reading it because it has stuff that got cut out of the movie. It was written by the writer of the movie, Earl MacRouch. So it wasn't like somebody adapting it. Okay. It was like, here's some stuff that we couldn't fit in the movie. And it like adds a lot to one's viewing experience. Okay. But then World Crime League came out. It is like four times as long. And it is just like, oh, he's just been writing this every day since 1984 <laughs> and just has not stopped. Same writer, until though. Until er- now, almost 40 years later. Macro- yes. Okay. Yeah, Earl MacRouch. And it's like every idea, I, like an eighth grader who is like getting into like occult stuff. Yeah. Like everything like Leonard Nimoy talked about on TV in the 70s. Like all, it's like, oh, the Knights Templar, all of that. Is in there, but in no real cohesive. Did you way. ever? It is. Have you ever read? It took yeah. me months to get through the audiobook. Yeah, I I have two stories to tell you uh, regarding audiobooks versus the written word versus a, a, a filmed version, and it is um, Game yeah. of Thrones. I heard about it. Okay. Heard there was a dragon, and so I tried to read it. Uh, I made it through the first eighty pages the first time I tried to read it. I bought it on Audible because I couldn't do it. 
and I listened to the first probably two hours. And then I went back to the book, got about 160 pages in, and then I watched the first episode of the TV show. And I was like, not a chance. It's not going to happen because I need, um, there's a couple of things that I don't enjoy that, um, that a lot of people really like, like, uh, I, I don't like a sort of a political, like soap opera, which is what game of Thrones is. Sure. You don't like machination. Right. Yeah. And I don't like it when I can tell immediately that the bad guys are going to win. And a lot of the good guys are going to die, if not all of them. And um, yeah. so, like, I, I read the first three Dune books. There's another seven Dune books, but it's all politics. There's a lot of Dune books. Yeah, yeah. I can't, <laughs> yeah. I can't do. I'm, I'm happy for those who enjoy the Dune series, but I, uh, I am not the one uh, that this was made for. And um, did you ever read Patrick Rothfuss? Um, he essentially, he max-maxed uh, his D&D character from childhood. And uh, okay. it, uh, the, uh, what is, hey Siri, what's the name of that Patrick Rothfuss book? Name of the Wind, I think it's called. Name of the Wind. Yes, the kid, kid. I think I've heard of it. I've not read it. Uh, the first one I read uh, and I enjoyed it because um, I play D&D and I enjoy, I enjoy the guy who's the best bard and then he's the best thief and he's the best ranger and he's the best, ever, yeah. you know, and then now he's, and he's telling the story from being the best uh, bartender, uh, but he went to sorcery school and he was the best sorcerer. But, uh, so I read that and I enjoyed it. And then I tried to read the second book and I was like, Oh, it's the same book. And I can't, uh, I don't care anymore. And he's still not in the present. Uh, so I didn't, I didn't like that so much, but I did like the first book. Uh, I just wanted him to eventually go out and fight whatever evil was right outside of his bar. And, uh, it didn't happen. Uh, but, um, it would probably make a very good, uh, um, TV show or, or movie. Now I've digressed. These are the two things. So did, did, so the guy who wrote the original screenplay wrote this, the rest of, he just gave you the rest of the adventures. He gave us the public. Yeah. So there's, uh, I think there's a list in the novelization of the movie that like just names a bunch of other adventures. Cause it's written from the perspective of, uh, Reno, the least interesting character in the movie played by, uh, does almost nothing. Um, uh, not one of the famous, F-A- uh, he, he's done other things. I'm blanking on his name. Okay. Um, but he is like the guy, he's like the secretary of the Hong Kong Cavaliers. Okay. He's the one who tells Jeff Goldblum, he'll tell him later why a watermelon. Okay. Um, <laughs> but other than that, does very little in the movie. He's like the one telling you the story in the book, uh, in both. And it is, it is just, it, it feels a little bit like reading the Wikipedia page. Okay. Of, the, oh, so he's just, the, he's telling, instead of just, showing the story, he's telling point you the for story. Point. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of that. And then in the, the second book, it is all over the place. Uh, Buckaroo does travel through the other dimensions. At one point, he literally meets Jesus, uh, Einstein, Gandhi, <laughs> uh, all, at, all at the same time. They're all just hanging out and they're like, oh, it's our friend, Buckaroo Banzai, who we all admire, of course. Uh, and it, 
when I was reading it, it's like, oh, this is probably like symbolic. And like the next sentence is almost literally like, this is not symbolic. <laughs> this is happening. And it's like, oh, okay. You just got, you're just working through a lot of stuff, huh? But, <laughs> and, but, uh, I, I heard, I heard a, a, I, I have no basis on this, but somebody was trying to convince me that Earl Mac Rouch is not a real guy that oh. WD Richter wrote it and then just like has his friend pretend to be the guy because he thought it made it more interesting, which sounds like an insane thing. But to this day, WD Richter in interviews, like when they were plugging the novel uh, for World Crime League, acts like Buckaroo Banzai is a real guy. Uh, he refers to the movie as a docudrama. Okay. He says like this is made with permission by the Bonsai Institute. Like we we've worked with Reno directly to get the most reliable accounts of this information, and we're like, yeah, but it's not though. Is the thing right. like we all know it is right? It's you've been doing this weird bit for forty years, and I love the commitment, but like, do you not know that? It, Does he? It's like well, like I was saying before, you find out the. the like the producer didn't get along with them and he was making it hard yeah. and you're like, oh, that producer. But now it's like, you might have been the problem, WD. It <laughs> might, you might have been genuinely <laughs> Have you read any uh, biographies of WD Richter? No, I don't know that there are any. I would love to write. Uh, I would, I would like Richter. to know that there is at least several, somebody following around scribbling the fact that this guy <laughs> might think that things are real. And then he wrote the Chinatown, the China. He wrote that other movie. Big Trouble in Little Big China. Big Trouble in yeah. Little China. The Which other movie he, that Andy loves more than life itself. Uh, he's like that is one that people do really love. That I that that misses me every time I try to watch it. I don't. That's I don't that, get that that wasn't one. for you. So, but it's written and directed no. by W. D. Richter as well. Correct. No, that that was written by W. D. Richter, uh, directed by James Cameron. I, no, uh, Carpenter. Oh. Uh, okay. Yeah. Oh wow. Of two two very different directors. Yeah, yes, just but both famous. It. And uh, um, yeah, but he didn't. He he. W. D. Richter did the rewrite of the movie that they shot because it was like apparently originally I think a western. Like it it changed a lot. Like draft to draft, they kept bringing people on, and then they're like, "Oh, this is nonsense. Like this is unfilmable at this point. Let's just forget it." And then they gave W. D. Richter a shot, and he's like, "What if he's a truck driver and everything's weird?" And all Asian people have magic powers. They're like, hell yeah, here's a bunch of money. Let's make this movie. This, these two movies feel like proof that there's so much money in Los Angeles that all you have to do is meet the right person. And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, well, I'll give you at least $4 million. I know a guy. And, uh, and then you, you do it. You do it. See what it, see what it looks like. I'll look, at the, I'll look at the dailies and we'll see if we can get some more money for you. And it's literally because, yeah, that's nuts that that was made. Yeah, that's I have so many friends who genuinely like really love that movie. And then when I tell them like, oh, the guy who wrote it is the one who made my favorite movie. And they're like, I don't want to watch that. I have, I have friends who have tried to watch it for the first time recently. Right. And I've just been like dealing with a good number of texts from people being like, I don't know, man. I don't <laughs> I'm 20 minutes in. I have no idea what's happening. You might have. Uh, and it's like, you got to like, just let the first, you just let the first time wash over you. And then you go back like the next day and then you kind of figure it out. <laughs> you, you have to remember that you were a sleep defra deprived father with a baby. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. 
have a second child and then don't sleep for a week yeah. and then watch it at 4 a.m. That's the real. That's that's how the director wants. That's how the that's the connection between the two of you that that uh, is really uh, Andy did tell me that we will be watching this film. Uh, I bought uh, there are several movies. Let me know. I will let you let know, know for sure. There's a lot of movies from the early 80s that were that were weird and that I did watch. Right. Like I watched. um the Last Dragon. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Is that the Kung Fu? It's a uh, no. The I'm Shogun thinking, of I'm Harlem. I'm thinking Dragonheart. Oh no, Dragonheart. In the Sean Connery. Uh, yeah, yes, no. Andy also enjoyed Dragonheart. I watched it. It was a little slow for me. It's a very different movie. Yes, but oh, the the Last Dragon. The Last Dragon uh, is about yeah, the yeah. I've seen. I've I've met Taima. Um, I. That's the. The 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 show the the kung fu the guy one? the kung fu kid. Yeah, it's a it's essentially yeah, yeah, yeah. a black kung fu movie. He loves Bruce Lee to death, and yeah. he ends up yep. saving a famous singer of the time whose name is escaping me. Someone's yelling it at their phone right now, and um, yeah. her name was like Victory or something. She had a very um, it was a noun, and as are all names, Jackie. They're all nouns. I'll be over here not remembering that. I wasn't going to point it out. But yeah. <laughs> uh, you would be alone in the Rangers of the Dork Forest not pointing it out. <laughs> and that's why the Dork Forest, that's why I, I'm the king of the Dork Forest. Because I would point it out to myself. So, uh, but the, um, yeah. And so he goes and there, but it's all super surreal, kind of like this, kind of like Buckaroo Banzai, where you end up in this parallel universe yeah. kind of thing. And then where he there's... gets the glow and then he beats up all the bad guys. Yeah, yeah, the Shogun of Harlem. But uh, the, and then there's another one that is sort of pseudo realistic, but also super weird. I think a lot of new drugs were coming into our lives in the early 80s. Um, Probably. It's, did you ever see Repo Man? With Emilio well, Estevez? Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you can know this, but you know, nobody lives by a code anymore. Only repo men live by a code. <laughs> it's uh, so important. So many, it's so important to have a code, you know? It just doesn't come up as much in media now as it did in previous decades. Right, right. Young guns. No, that actually wasn't weird at all. That was entirely, that was uh, four very handsome young men thrown into a rock tumbler and given hats. Uh, so Yeah, I just turned 40, so I've been watching a lot of Westerns lately because I have to by law, and Young Guns keeps showing up as like the next thing that whatever streaming service wants me to watch, and I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if Did I Did you watch Silverado? Uh, no, I watched uh, both versions of True Grit and then listened to the audiobook uh, like a couple weeks ago. Uh, I got, You're I've thorough. been going like You're real thorough. Uh, old John Wayne ones. Oh, John mostly. Wayne, yeah. Well, I saw the uh, like when the Searchers the, is a downer. The Coen Brothers True Grit came out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was kind of a bummer. Uh, when the Coen Brothers True Grit came out, I saw it in theaters. Like, oh, it's pretty good. I'm not really a Western guy, but I like this. And then I'd not seen the John Wayne one, and I'm like, oh yeah, let me let me give that a shot because I'll see like how it compares to this one. Yeah, and they're both like pretty true to the book for having been made so far apart. Because then when I listen to the audiobook, I'm like, oh, like all the dialogue in both movies is just straight out of the book. Right. There's They're like there... I when I saw the Coen Brothers one, it's like everybody's talking weird. I like I kind of like it, yeah. but it's like why are they making them say things this way? It's like oh well, that's just how the book was. Uh, now because you enjoyed Buckaroo Banzai, 
and Andy Ashcraft enjoys it a great deal. I have this to suggest, cowboy version-wise, is the TV show Deadwood. Did you ever see that? Yeah, I watched, I think, like, the first season when it was on, I was in college, and, like, we had uh, it, HBO in the It was hard to, stuff. it's, so it's would, hard to get into it, it was initially. It like pre-DVR, so it was, like, if I was home. Right. Yeah. Like it wasn't, I could, I could do it now where it's like, you can just sit and watch 40 episodes of a show in a row. Well, and remember what you have to, at the time it was like, yeah, I'm not always home Sunday nights or whatever. Right. And you have to remember that it is a, um, the, the dialogue is taken from Shakespeare. It's all, it's trying to yeah. do like an I am. I remember hearing that. Yes. So it might take a second, but it is, uh, darkly funny and very smart and beautifully shot. But, um, yeah, I uh I couldn't uh I couldn't it it got too violent for me and I I enjoy action. I just mm-hmm. don't enjoy, enjoy um like The Watchmen. I had to watch that from the doorway. Uh the TV show The Watchmen. Okay. I was like, yeah. No, that's that's good. I'm going to going to go get a soda. And uh and then I would read synopsis. Yeah, I also don't love like super gory stuff on screen. Well, or people barfing. Have you noticed the trend in recent years how like it's just always people are just throwing up on screen and I'm so mad about it every time it happens. Right. There's no need for it. Uh, There's a couple of scenes in movies that I thoroughly enjoyed that I have to fast forward through them. And one of them is Bridesmaids and one of them is The Heat. And it's the same guy. It's that Paul. Paul. um, It's not Paul Feig. He's the Marvel guy. Uh, Whatever. Uh, It's uh, again. Just semi Yeah, email. no, Paul Feig, right? Kevin Kevin, Kevin, Kevin Feige, Feige is, the is the Marvel, Marvel guy. Right? Paul the, Feig is the, the Marvel guy. Paul Feig the, the comedy guy. Bridesmaid yeah. guy. Yeah, uh, Bridesmaid. And he also did The Heat, which was with um, Sandra Bullock and Melissa. Melissa McCarthy, McCarthy. Right? And it is, well, yeah. that movie, I could dork out about that movie because that is one of my favorite movies. of all, It was just on television last night. And I laugh till I cry with that movie, but there is a scene in it I don't think I've seen that one. I've seen Bridesmaid. Um, well, The Heat is essentially, it's a buddy movie, I've seen right? The and there's probably, on one hand, yeah. I could tell you about women buddy movies. That might be the only one. And uh, But my other favorite buddy movie is Midnight Run with John Lithgow. And, That's a good one. Um, mm-hmm. The guy from The Godfather. Uh, and and who's trying to do comedy? Yeah, it's De Niro and De Niro. Groden. Yeah, that's it. De Niro and Gro- it was not John Lithgow. It was, it was Groden. Yeah, you're right. Um, I'm in the part of show yeah. business that doesn't know who anybody is, and there's always a good two or three minutes when there's when we're talking about TV and movies, where that becomes desperately obvious. Rangers, I'm talking to Glenn Tickle, and I'm going to let him too because there's a bunch of stuff I don't really. I, I I like have a bunch of blind spots for stuff. Like I don't know anything about any Star Trek at all. Right. And it's it every time I tell people that they're like, you seem like a Star Trek guy. Yeah. I was like, I agree. I do. I, I've tried and I just don't care. Right. You've done. It's not even like, oh, it's boring space stuff. I, I will like watch a NASA live feed for three hours before I watch a single episode of Star Trek, the original series. Right. Well, or uh, I like Star Trek. I consider myself actually a bigger Star Trek nerd than Star Wars nerd. But I've actually seen more Star Wars mm-hmm. than Star Trek, which is um, I don't know why, but uh, there's too many there's too much to consume, so it's fine. I'm not gonna sweat it. Uh, but I will say this, yeah, Rangers. We only have 
so much time on the earth. Yes, I want everyone to know, because we only have about five minutes left, is that um, I'm talking with Glenn Tickle. It's at Glenn Tickle everywhere. GlennTickle.com. New album uh, special coming out September 15th. Glenn Tickle against the World Crime League. And here's my next question. Is it also an album? I keep saying that. It will be, yes. It'll be just uh, just on my YouTube channel initially because I want to drive everybody there for a while. And then uh, the the audio will be released as an album. I don't have a date for that yet. Kind of just whenever I want to do it because yeah. I'm this is all me. So, like, I'm self-produced. Not and- I, I started a label a couple of years ago when I did my first album. So I get to do whatever I want. It's great. I highly recommend it. Yeah. And the audio version will be like a little bit longer because I trimmed some stuff out because I wanted to get it under an hour for the, the video. Okay. Nobody wants to watch me talk for longer than that. Yeah. But they'll probably listen to it in their car, I imagine, for an additional 10 minutes. Right, right. I uh, I actually did it the opposite. My The album was 55 minutes and the for my Horcrux album. And the video is actually uh, an hour yeah. five. It's got an extra 15 minutes on it for some reason. I'm... I will probably also release a longer version of the video. Uh, like if could you do it? I'm putting it up on YouTube because it's the easiest way. Oh yeah. I in the in the extended cut, I did rewrite the crawl from the beginning of Buckaroo Banzai, where instead of it being about him, it is about me. Really? There's a ton of I, I've had a couple. Yeah, I've had a couple people ask if there if the special is just a bunch of jokes about Buckaroo Banzai. I would love <laughs> to do that, but no one else wants it. No. Like, I've tried to do jokes about this and I do jokes about like movies that I care about more than most people, but it's, they're at least aware of Jurassic Park, yes. you know, like <laughs> you don't need to have watched it as many times as I did. You know, there was a movie about dinosaurs. That's all I need from you. Yeah. But I, it's the, the only way to do an hour of comedy about Buckaroo Banzai is like, I need to get you guys in the theater before the show. Like we all have to watch it together and then I'm going to talk about it right. for an hour afterwards. And, but and quite, no one that I've pitched that to will let me do it. Right. <laughs> and I don't think that um like I do a lot of very obscure references that that nine people in the audience get, but I don't do an hour about Magic the Gathering, right? I mean, it's not nobody right. <laughs> I just put out a 10-minute special. Right. I'll do it like a we're on a leg, so uh, yeah. You could, you could. Yeah, sorry. No, that's okay. It's uh it's I'm in a Hampton Inn in D.C. with uh with Wi-Fi, so this is uh it's gonna be what it's gonna be. The uh, uh but I will say that the my current special is ten minutes, and it's only on my website, yeah. which is on YouTube essentially, and it's called Looking Back, and it's me telling ten minutes of car jokes into the ass camera of a Mazda six in reverse. Like I'm just standing behind the camera lav with a lavalier telling and a mic telling yeah. jokes and I've hired someone to keep her foot on the brake so it isn't a snuff film and it's <laughs> it's just the 10 minutes of car jokes that I remember and then I ended on a story that my dad just told me about be, being carjacked and I was like there it is perfect so you could do something like that with yeah. Buck Rubanza that should be 10 minutes yes yeah I've thought about it, but the times I've tried to like bring it up in sets, yeah. it's just I lose the audience immediately in a way that I have not experienced with any other topic. <laughs> I have another special that I did 
about my younger brother dying in a car accident. And I talked about that for an hour more successfully than I've been able to get anyone to listen to me talk about Buckaroo Every, Everyone has so, had horrible, horrible death and trauma in their lives. Not everyone. Yeah, they're like, oh, we can relate to this, actually. But we've not. We don't know why you keep talking about Buckaroo Bonsai. I did a show at a senior center the other night. And I, I mentioned Buckaroo Bonsai on stage and like seven people in the audience were like, oh, I love that movie. There you go. So I hung out for like 20 minutes after the show, just talking to senior citizens about my favorite movie because nobody else wants to hear about it. You were in the, you're, you were in the perfect, that's almost your demographic for this movie. I mean, because remember it came out it 40 is, years yeah. ago and if you were 30, yep. 40 years ago and you watched it, you're 70. <laughs> so yeah, that's your uh, th- that's that's my people. Those are your people. Me, on the other hand, I'm gonna do a senior center tour of America talking about Buckaroo Banzai. Uh, possible, very, very possible. I, uh, my friend Karen Rontowski did. Uh, she did what was it? Sixteen weeks? Was it? It was too many weeks of senior centers all through that's Florida. And wow, but it was two. It was like three months of work, and by the end of it, she would. She literally had bought a joke book. Yeah, they love Karen, it. They would love it. Uh, I did a. I I have a bit where I talk about trying to teach preschool kids knock knock jokes. Oh, good. And I could have just done. I could have just done the knock knock jokes. Like, didn't need the elaborate setup or the fun story about it. If I just did the knock knock jokes, they would have had a great time. Right, they would have ate it up. Ate it up, I tell you. Yeah. Um, I have to say that I love. Uh, that I want to see this movie. Uh, because I currently have a new favorite movie that they're like, that can't be your favorite movie. Do you get that? Where you're like, well, what, what about it? Casablanca? What about, you know, yeah. the, uh, the, especially cause I have a film degree. So like I've, <laughs> I've seen a lot of movies and <laughs> yeah. for this late in the game to be like, no, actually I know, look, we all love the princess bride, you know, it's up there for sure. But what if it's this one? What if it's this movie from 1984 that most people have never heard of? I'm just- and those who have, don't like it at all. <laughs> like, what if that's the best right. one? It's uh, I just bought Star, um, not Star, not Starman. I like Starman. Came out, I think, the same year. Starman's pretty good. Yeah, but I like the one where the kid that looks like Matthew Broderick uh, plays a video game, and then Robert Preston is in it. Last Starfighter. Last Starfighter. I just bought that movie because uh, I loved it so. Um, that also. That's a good one. Not a great movie, but a, a great movie. Um, no. what am I? Yeah. Like it's, it's similar to Buckaroo. It's like, yeah, I mean, you're trying to make a movie in the mid eighties with not enough money to really do yeah, you don't have the tech. Do. Yeah. So you're going to get what you get. Okay. So here's my current favorite movie of all time right now. Jumanji. Welcome to the jungle. Okay. The rock. Is that the first? No, the rock. That's the first rock That's one the first or rock the second one. one. The first rock one. Okay. It, I saw that one. It changed my life. It, I literally I've bought it three times now. I should just buy it. I've I've rented. What about it? It, it is a delight, is what it is. It's we got. Uh, I remember liking it more than I was expecting to. That when I, I saw I went in with a rock Jumanji movie. I went in with nothing, and that it and it genuinely blew my mind. And I was like, because I love The Rock. I like Jack Black a lot. Uh, the woman who played Nebula, Kieran Gillen, whose name is exactly yeah. like. A guy who writes. I named comic my books. daughter after uh, her Doctor Who character. Oh right, she was also sidekick on Doctor Who. Um, yeah, she was Amelia Pond. Oh, there you go. 
And uh, yeah, so I re- I'm going to watch Buckaroo Banzai. I recommend you watch Jumanji Welcome to the Jungle again because it's... Uh, I'll give it another shot. It's got... I'll make that deal. It's got everything. It's got everything going for it right now. And uh, I'm on board. Uh, Glenn Tickle, this has been a delight. Thank you for being the first I've person to try this time. new Thank interface. Yeah, I hope it worked out. Yeah, me too. I'm going to uh, hit stop. And let me tell uh, the rangers of the Dork Forest, you guys, you know the rules out there. Be good to each other. Take care of each other. What is it? Yeah, take care of each other. That's it. My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs> my hat, my hat, my hat. Well, what do you think of that? If it looks like a Mexican hat dance and it sounds like a Mexican hat dance, it's most likely a Mexican hat dance. So take off your hat and let's dance. Yay! Oh, my God. Thank we you. Why don't we just call that as the end of the show?